Hey, Lighthouse Niagara family, this is Pastor Joel Sloss. I hope that the message you received today blesses you so, so much. Just as I get started, just one thing so I don't forget. Uh, starting on Wednesday, uh, 10 days before uh, Pentecost Sunday, uh, which is, I believe, on the 23rd, May 23rd, uh, if you can fast and just pray, Lord, fill me with, with your spirit. Fill me with your power. Lord, let, that I would be surrendered and submitted to you and uh, that you would take that time. I'll, I'll remind again on, on Wednesday night to, to fast. But it is important that we pray and that we fast, especially in these last days, um, for the sake of the lost. And today the message is entitled, Anointed for the Lost. Anointed with the Holy Spirit. For the sake of the lost, for the lost, hallelujah. Matthew 9, verse 35. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, the good news of the kingdom, the kingdom of God, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. This is in the power of the Holy Spirit. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. So when he saw the people, he recognized they were lost. They were without a shepherd. They were without him. And so he was moved with compassion for the lost. And, uh, and then we see what happens in uh, following this, even as he's moved by the multitudes that were without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And that is the, the case today. The harvest is, is plentiful. It is, it's not like we have to wait another four months until the, the, the harvest is ripe. It is ripe now. And Jesus here is talking about not a, uh, a, a farmer's harvest, uh, you know, whether it's the grains that, that the seed is sown and then you, you wait a period of time and then there's, um, there's a crop that needs to be taken in. He's not talking about uh, that kind of harvest. He is talking about the harvest of souls to have life. Those that do not know Christ... And if you're listening or watching today, if you don't know Christ, the life that he has for you, and not just for on this side of heaven, is a life of, of hope and peace and direction and wisdom and power. But he also has life that will extend past our time here on earth. And so he desires for there to be a harvest that comes in, a harvest of souls. And the problem that Jesus is, is facing and uh, faced at that time was the fact that there were not many laborers to take in the harvest. And at that point of history, they estimate that there were about half a billion people on the planet, 500, 000, or 500 million people on the planet at the time of, of Christ. And here he had... With him, he's talking to his disciples. He has 12 men, 12 men. And he's saying, 
we need to go out. The harvest is ripe. We need to bring in a harvest, and the laborers are few. And even at this time, there's just over 8 billion people on the face of this planet at this time. There is a harvest that needs to come in. And you know those that are, are lost, that are around you, whether it's family members, loved ones, whether it's friends, it's neighbors, relatives, uh, the stranger, you know there are those that are lost at this time and they need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. We see the heart of God. We see the heart of God as Jesus is moved with compassion that the gospel would be presented, the good news, that there can be life, there can be forgiveness of sins, there could be new life coming to those that have no hope. And in this day and age, there are so many that are without hope. They are, they are struggling in doing things in their own strength, in their own wisdom, or they're doing it in the, the strength of, of, of our government or our health system, or, or they're, they're going by the, 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 the wisdom of man. And God is saying at this time that they need Jesus. They need Jesus. There needs to be a hope. Without Christ, there is no hope. Christ in us, as we receive Christ into our lives, we have a hope. How beautiful that is, how true that is, despite what's going on around us, despite the things that are happening in our life. And I know sometimes I, I focus in on the negative things that may be happening. You might be saying, you know what? My life is great. And I just want to say what Jesus spoke many a few thousand years ago regarding those that had much. And he said, and this is in Luke chapter 9, he said, what does it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his soul? And you might be out there saying, life is great. I don't have a problem. Who, COVID, does, it's not affecting me. But you don't have Christ. You don't have Jesus in your life. I'll tell you right now. Should you die, it's, it's, it says in Hebrews 9.27, it says it's appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. And this, this morning, if you don't know Christ, you know of him. And I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you some information this morning that I find interesting. You'll find interesting. But I'll tell you right now, now, we can know about Jesus. We can know about Jesus. We might have heard about Jesus. We might even be religious. We may be even going to church. But if you don't believe in Jesus for your salvation, if you don't believe in Jesus Christ to be able to take care of your sins because one sin separates us from God and it needs to be dealt with and it is only dealt with by Jesus and what he did for us on the cross. And if that doesn't happen in your life while you are alive, it is appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. You will stand before God Almighty. There will be an immediate judgment take place. And my prayer is that you would come to know Jesus as your Savior and Lord, the one that can save you from your sins and to wash you and cleanse you from all of your unrighteousness and that you could have life in Jesus Christ because that is the, the most beautiful thing to be forgiven and to stand righteous before the Lord, not in your own righteousness, but in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Praise God. Hear the Lord recognized. Oh, the harvest is plenty. They just need to hear the good news. There are so many that are ready. If they just heard the good news, if we would share it and bring it to them, that they would have life, a hope, a future, and an eternity with God. We need to bring the gospel and, and hear 
2,000 years ago, he's saying in, in verse 37, he's saying to his disciples, Matthew 9, 37, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the labors are few. That has not changed. We need to labor together. We need to work for the Lord to bring in a harvest, especially because the time that we have, the time that is left is running out. You have loved ones. You have you have brothers or sisters. You may have a mom or a dad. You might have a grandparent or an aunt or uncle that doesn't know the Lord, and you do. God has forgiven you and has given you life. They near, need to hear about Jesus, and they need to have the life that comes only through Jesus Christ as they place their faith in him. Hallelujah. He says, therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And I want to do that right now as we get into this uh, today. I want to pray that there would be a, a, a stirring and a quickening in your heart that as you look around, as Jesus looked at the multitudes, you might be looking at just one person or you might be looking at a family or a few or you might be looking at many and you recognize that they are without Christ and that there would be a stirring and a quickening in your heart to say, God, do a work of, let there be compassion within me for those that I work with or those that I, I'm living with or those that I, I may connect with uh, one way or another, that I would have a compassion to share Jesus with them. So let's just take a moment and pray at this time. Lord, I pray that we would recognize the salvation that we have, the grace that was extended to us, even as we heard of you, Jesus, and that you would take care of every sin. Lord, it is sin that separates us from you, just one sin. But, Lord, your heart and desire is to take all our sins upon yourself, and you did 2,000 years ago. You took all the sins of mankind from the beginning of time to the time that where when you existed to that present time when you existed, even into the future 2,000 years later, you took every single sin because you are not limited by time. And you and in that moment of time, in one moment of time, all the sin of all mankind was placed upon you. My sins were placed upon you. And I just thank you this morning, Lord, that you, you bore the penalty of my sin, Lord, which is death. The wages of sin is death. And, Lord, I just thank you that you took my sins upon yourself and you paid for the wage, the payment for my sin on the cross 2,000 years ago, and you died for me. And, Lord, as a result, even as I would believe in you, even as I would believe in the work that you did for me on the cross, Lord, I can have salvation. And, Lord, even as I received you so long ago, Lord, I just thank you and I praise you for the life that I have. And, Lord, I pray this morning, Lord, as we look around, that we would recognize there are, are, are so many that don't know you. Truly, the, the harvest is ripe. And, Lord, this morning I pray that there will be a work done. Lord, that there would be a quickening. Lord, even as we have a few weeks before Pentecost, and I just pray that we would move in the power of your spirit at this time. We would be anointed with your spirit. We would be empowered by your spirit, Lord, because you by your spirit, desire for us to be witnesses in these last days, a witness of who you are and what you did for us on the cross. And, Lord, even as that good news goes out, Lord, that there would be a realization that this, the person that isn't saved, as they hear, they can have salvation. And, Lord, that we would observe this again and again as we share the gospel with, with our, our friends and our, our neighbors and our loved ones.
our relatives, Lord, the stranger. Lord, that there will be a huge harvest taken in yet before you come. Lord, I pray there would be a quickening within our heart that we would know that there is not much time left. Lord, Lord, I pray that would weigh in on us, Lord. And Lord, that we would be deliberate about connecting and, and taking the time to share the gospel, the good news of who you are and what you did for us. As you went to the cross 2,000 years ago, it is only by your blood that we can be cleansed. It is only by your blood that we can have life. It is only by your blood that we can have an eternity with you as we would believe on you. And so, Lord, I pray that would take place this, this morning. And, Lord, as, as those that listen, that they would, and if they don't know you, Lord, that they would say, yes, I am a sinner and I believe in Jesus and I ask him to come into my life and be Lord in my life, not just to save me, but to be my Lord as I surrender and submit to you. Lord, I pray that will take place today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I just love the next ver number of verses. As Jesus saw the multitudes, the thing about Jesus when he was here on this earth, he was limited physically. He was in a human body like yours and mine. He was fully God, but he was limited to time. He was limited to a body, and he recognized he could only be in one place at a time. Now, Jesus, he ascended. He is omnipresent. He can be anywhere. He is everywhere. Uh, that is not a restriction at this point. But back 2,000 years ago, it was. And the very first thing he do did as he began ministry, he began to call disciples or followers to follow him. As they heard of Jesus, they saw Jesus, and he called. Initially, he called 12. And it started even as Andrew, Peter's brother, uh, saw Jesus and heard Jesus. He ran and told his brother Peter, hey, I found the Messiah. It's the Messiah. And anyways, in verse 1 of Matthew 10, Matthew 10, 1 says, And when he had called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. So this power here, it's not the same, it's, it's not the same word as the word power in Acts chapter 1. So there, this was, a, he was extending to his disciples, but the power of the Holy Spirit that's available to us at this point in time is, uh, the, is within us. It's dunamis, which is power that is within. You get the word dynamite from dunamis. And it's a power that is within us, the power of the Holy Spirit within us. Here, Jesus, he gave them power over unclean spirits. The Holy Spirit uh, desires, and, and as we have, as we are saved, we have authority over even unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. Now, the names of the 12 apostles are these. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother. James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. Philip and Bartholomew. Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector. James, the son of, of Alphaeus. And Labius, whose surname was Thaddeus. Simon, the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. And these 12... 
Jesus sent out, commanding them, saying, Do not go into the way of the Gentiles, and do not enter a city of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. They were in and around Jerusalem at this time. And he's saying, I don't want you to go to Samaria. I want you to deal first with, with the Jews, with the Hebrews. And so he says, they're lost. Go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel and begin to speak the good news that the kingdom of God is at hand. Praise God. And so he sent them out. The interesting thing is, at this time, if God desired for everybody to be saved, all he would do is say, be saved. He'd just have to think a thought, and we would all be saved. And you might say, well, why wouldn't he do that? The thing is, we were made in the image of God, which, is, which has free will. We have free will to choose. Truly, as we would love God, it is a choice that we make to love God. It's a choice to that we make to believe in Jesus Christ. And so the beautiful thing here is that it is by sharing the gospel with others, sharing the good news that Jesus, the kingdom of God is at hand. You can be a part of that kingdom that is eternal, and it is through Jesus Christ and who, what he did for us on the cross that we are saved. That message, that is the, the good news, the gospel. In fact, if you read all four gospels, so much of the Gospels is about the last three and a half years of ministry and specifically the last few hours of his life when he went to the cross because that is the main reason that he came so that he could take our sins upon himself and as we would believe in him, that we could have salvation. And so here we have a part he could speak a word that everybody would be saved, but he chose to say, you know what? I want you to have a part in the work of, of, of seeing not just lives saved from, from destruction and from hell and eternity apart from God, but also to see changes take place in them, to see them come out of darkness into his marvelous light and to have new life take place in a person. In a, in a person's existence. I just thank God. I have seen that again and again and again. And I have seen people, their lives changed powerfully, not by anything, not by some dogma or, or because of religion, but by the power of the Holy Spirit as they grabbed a hold of the good news of Jesus Christ. Lives changed. New outlook, new purpose, new direction. Everything made new in Jesus Christ. And the beautiful thing is, the Lord Jesus desires, as he did 2,000 years ago, he desires for us to be a part of bringing others to him. And this is why the power of the Holy Spirit, this is why we have the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon us. He's saying, I don't want you to go alone in your own enthusiasm, in your own zeal, in your own excitement, as exciting as it is that you got saved. But I want you to go in the power of the Holy Spirit. I want you to go in, in, in the leading and the guiding of the Holy Spirit. Last week we talked about being led by the Holy Spirit. Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit, and it was, he was also driven by the Holy Spirit. We can be led and we, as we follow, or we can be driven as in, you know what? Oh, man, the Holy Spirit is just moving us along powerfully for the sake of the lost, anointed by the Holy Spirit, with the Holy Spirit for the sake of the lost. 
in Niagara Falls. I just looked up this morning. The population of Niagara Falls is roughly, well, they're very specific. Uh, it might have been an extrapolation, but it's 91,908, uh, according to when I looked it up. So as of today, so it's around 92,000 people here in Niagara Falls, give or take. Today, or this year, there's a census that's being taken. And so you have to fill out a form of different information regarding those that are in your household. Uh, so we just received the census. And it looks like that the census is always taken uh, in every 10 years, as far as I can gather from this information. But it is every 10 years, and it's always in the, what, 2001, 2011, 2021. And in 1881, there were 2,347 people in Niagara Falls, according to the census. In 1901, 20 years later, there was 4,244 people living in Niagara Falls. In 1961, there was 22,351 people living in Niagara Falls. Ten years later, I think there was an amalga amalgamation of some of the different spots around Niagara Falls. And it jumped to 67,163 in 1971. We lived right on the border as we were growing up, right on the border of Niagara Falls and Welland. So we were living in Welland. The next house right beside us was Niagara Falls. And right on our property line, there was a sign. And for years, that sign on, on uh, Lions Creek Road, it indicated the, the population, I can remember the population uh, being around or 71,000 uh, for, for a long time. It's just stayed at 71,000. Um, there are many in this city. You say, Pastor, why are you telling me this? There are so many people in our city at this point, 92,000. It's not a large city. I was actually quite surprised when, when I... Our mayor mentioned a few years back that there are 12 to 14 million people that come to Niagara Falls every single year. I recognize in the last year and a half with COVID, that obviously has not been the case. But Niagara Falls is a tourist city, and there are millions that come every year. But there are thousands, tens of thousands that live here in Niagara Falls. The median age is 45. Uh, so it's it's a little bit, a little bit higher, a little bit lower, or higher in uh, in age, the median age, and as of 2011. Now this is from 10 years ago because we the census is being taken this year, so we don't have information for this year. But in 2011, the ethnic origin, uh, there were 22,800 that that were of English ethnicity. There was 15,425 that were of Italian ethnicity. There were 13,910 that were of Scottish ethnicity. Uh, there were 11,200 of Irish ethnicity. So roughly two-thirds of the uh, city of Niagara Falls is of European descent. Uh, there as of 10 years ago, there were 7,715 that were either black, Chinese, Filipino, or of South Asian ethnicity. And uh, 
I know that number has changed. These numbers have changed uh, quite a bit uh, over the last 10 years. And the, 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 the percentages have changed over the last 10 years. Almost 20% are under the age, or they were under the age of 18 um, 10 years ago. It might be a little bit higher, uh, or there might be fewer, I don't know. But 10 years ago, almost 20% were under the age of 18. Now, <clears throat> these are multitudes of people. Now, what I found interesting as I went into the stats, this is what I found very interesting. 84%, 84%, so that, that would be over 70,000 people self-identify as being of, uh, with a Christian denomination. Seven, over 70,000 people at this point would identify as being part of a Christian denomination. So... 42% as of 10 years ago were Catholic, 36 or 30, almost 37% were Protestant. You might say, what's the difference? Uh, Protestant, in the late 1400s, there was a huge revelation by a, a Catholic priest named Martin Luther. And this Catholic priest recognized as he was reading through Romans that we're not saved by affiliation to a church, but we are saved by uh, faith in Jesus Christ. And so he started to protest. And as he protested, uh, and he was, he, was, he was a Catholic priest, and he, he was one of, their top, one of the top new up-and-coming priests, a young priest. And yet he was so fearful as a young, young priest He's saying, you know what? He would, he would, he would have difficulty sleeping because he knew that if he died, that he would go to hell, and he he knew that he was not right with God, even as a priest, and that the church could not save him. Uh, listen, if you're listening this this morning, I want to say this: if you think that being a member in this church saves you, hey, I'm a member at the lighthouse, your membership. And affiliation with his church does not save you. It is your faith in Jesus Christ and what he did for you on the cross that saves you. What he did on the cross takes care of our sins. So if you're listening, I don't want you to be offended. If you're, whether you're part of this church or whether you're a, a Catholic or a Protestant, you are not saved because you attend a church. You're not saved because, hey, my parents, I, oh, hey, what are we, mom? What are we, dad? Are we, what? So when we fill these things out, we put our affiliation or what we self-identify. So 36, almost 37% in 2011 identified as being Protestant. So they're not Catholic, they're Protestant. There was five, just over 5% that identified as Eastern Orthodox and so these would be under the, the Christian, uh, Judeo-Christian beliefs. So they recognize the New Testament and the Old Testament. Other religions, I think this number is higher at this point 10 years later. Almost 2% were either Sikh, Jewish, Buddhist, Hindu, or Muslim. 
And there was 14% that claimed no religious affiliation. They're saying, hey, we're just, we have nothing to do with God. So they claim no religious affiliation. So we have, and I find this interesting. Uh, you might say, Pastor, so we have 70,000 Christians in this city. What do you think? It says, by their fruit you shall know them. I'll tell you right now, if we had 70,000 people going to church in our city, we would have to build numerous churches. In fact, if every single church in our city, whether Catholic or Protestant, whatever, was filled to capacity, we would only have a small fraction of people that, that I'll t and I'll say this right now, I know that our, the churches are not filled, whether they're Catholic or Protestant, they are not filled. There is no way that there are 70,000 people in our city that are following Jesus. They might say, yeah, I'm a Christian, or I'm Catholic, I'm whatever I may be, but I'll tell you right now, they are not following Jesus. They have not given their life to Jesus. They are lost. You say, how many, how many people do you think are born again, born of God, because of their faith? It says that, as many, but as many as received him, Jesus Christ, to them he gave the power to become the children of God, even to those that believe in his name, who are born not of the will of man or of flesh or of blood physically, but are born of God as we receive Christ. You may know about Jesus up here, but if you haven't received Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord to take care of your sins and you are following him, you can say that you're a Christian, but you're not. You might say, Pastor, how many people do you think are born-again believers and are following Christ in Niagara Falls. 3%, 4%, 3,000, people that actually follow Jesus Christ in Niagara Falls. That's, that's my estimation. I pray to God it's higher than that. But I'll tell you right now, there are so many people that want nothing to do with God, or they might be very good people. They know of God. They might go to church once in a while, they might go at Christmas time or at Easter time, or they might even be faithful in going on a, on a weekly basis. But I'll tell you right now, if you are placing your faith in your church attendance for your salvation, you will have an unfortunate surprise when the trumpet sounds and the Lord descends to take up his, his children. We are not saved because we attend church. We are saved by our faith. And our fruit, who we are, there are changes that will take place in our lives. And the fruit, it says, by their fruit, you shall know them. So what is the fruit in your life? As you have received Jesus Christ, are there any changes? Or are you the same as, as those that say, hey, I don't follow Jesus. I might be a good person. We need to live. It says the just shall live by faith. Faith in Jesus Christ and his death on a cross for us, that is where we are saved. There are so many people that need to come to know Jesus at this time. You might say, why, Pastor? This past week, was involved with a situation, death, this close, not for me, but for somebody else. Two, three minutes later, and that person would have been gone. It was only by the grace and mercy of God. If this person is watching at this time, 
I'll, I want to say this. God loves you so much and has covered you and spared you. And I want to say to others that are, are, are doing their own thing, you might have served God at one point. It is only by the grace of God that you are still alive because if it was up to Satan, you would be dead already to spend eternity apart from God. Jesus said that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He says, but I have come that you might have life, that you might have it more abundantly. The enemy, if, if God allowed Satan to have free reign, we would be dead. We would be dead because his heart is to destroy. You might say, what's the difference between kill and destroy? The difference is this. Killing, we're talking physically. Destroying, we're talking spiritually. To be separated. You might say, what is spiritual death? It is separation from God for all eternity. Eternity is a long time. Once we die, the decisions we made while we were still alive, right up to the last second that we were alive, the decisions we made regarding what? Regarding Jesus Christ and what he did for us on the cross. If our faith is not in him and what he did for us on the cross, we will spend eternity apart from God. Not because... God doesn't love us. It's because we chose to say, God, I want nothing to do with you. You live your entire life. Listen, if you're a, 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 a listening right now and your, your attitude, you, in fact, you might be upset with me now. You might be saying, I don't want to listen to this guy. I want you to listen. And you might say, hey, pastor, you're a little bit agitated this morning. I'm telling you, I am agitated. I'm upset. Because the lie of the enemy, Satan is a liar. He's the father of lies. And he will lie to you if he can so that you will spend eternity apart from God. And in fact, maybe your attitude this morning is, you know what? I hate Christians or what they, they stand for. I, and, I'll, and I hate God. And I'm saying to you that God loves you. And he loved you so much that he sent his only son to take care of, of every single one of your sins. You say, Pastor, why do you talk about sin so much? Because it is what separates us from God. And God is saying, I've made a way to take care of sin. And it's in my son, Jesus Christ. And he died. I gave my son so you could have life. And this morning, I want you to know, if you're, as you're listening, you may not be a believer this morning. That God loves you so much and Jesus died for you as you would believe in him. Confess, yes, I am a sinner and I need Jesus in my life. I need Jesus. He took care of my sins on the cross. I believe it. And he died for me because he loves me. But he didn't remain dead. He rose from the dead. And he's all power and authority is, is the Lord Jesus. Belongs to him. And as we receive Jesus by faith into our lives and make him Lord in our lives, we are saved. We are born of God, a supernatural work that takes place. You say, Pastor, are you born of God? Yeah, I was born in 1963 biologically. But it wasn't until I was seven in 1971, just before I became eight, just a few months before, that I gave my life to Jesus. I was born of God in 1971. And I just say, thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Because I've been born of God. I have, a, I have a biological father 
here on this earth, but I have a heavenly father. I was born of God the moment I received Jesus into my life. And if this morning as you're listening, you may say, is that all it takes to believe in Jesus? That's the beginning. We become a brand new creation in God's praise God that we not then at that point begin to follow him. And he's going to do a work on you and through you that you could never do on yourself because he loves you so much and by the power of his spirit. So I want to read to you quickly from John 3, verse 14. This is Jesus speaking, all right? And he's speaking, if you look, and in fact, I, I would have you read the entire chapter 3 of the, the Gospel of John. He's speaking to a religious leader, a ruler, a priest, Nicodemus. And he is saying to him, this is a religious man. If you think you're, you're hey, I'm really religious, this guy was religious more than you could ever be. He was a ruler, a leader when it came to religion. And it was the Judeo. He was a Pharisee and uh, of the, the Old Testament, all the law, the commandments, and then they added things to it. But this is what Jesus said to Nicodemus in verse 14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness... Even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Praise God. Let me read it again. For God so loved you, he loves you so much, despite all the things that you have done in the past, he loves you so much that Jesus he sent his son Jesus to die for you, to die for you. If you were the only person on this planet, God sent his son, would send his son just for you to die for you so that you could have, as you believe in him, that you would not perish or be apart from God, but have eternal life, have everlasting life. Yeah, we may die physically, but at that moment, our spirit and soul remains alive. And as we believe in Jesus Christ, our spirit and soul immediately goes to be with the Lord. If we don't believe in Jesus Christ, the moment we die, our spirit and soul, there's a judgment that takes place immediately, and we're, we are, our spirit and soul immediately goes to hell. There will be a judgment that takes place. It, it hasn't happened yet. In fact, I know that it won't happen for at least another 1,007 years. As we read through Revelation, we recognize that the white throne judgment of God is going to be taking place in at least, well, be at least another 1,007 years. And at that point, it says the books will be open and every single thing that we have done will be brought up. And, and if we, if our faith is in ourself and how good we were, we will be every single sin, we will find that we are guilty, 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 and we will be put, we will be cast, it says, Death and hell were cast into the lake of fire, and all those whose names were not written in the book of life were cast into the lake of fire, which is eternal. It's where God is not. It is, it is you don't want to end there. The only thing that takes care of our sin is Jesus Christ and what he did for us on the cross. And if our faith is in him before we die, we will spend eternity with God. 
And I just I say, thank you, Lord, for that. The Gospels, read the Gospels, the four Gospels. Gospel means good news. And each one of them speaks about who Jesus is, what he did, and they all focus in hugely, like John. At least a third of the, of, of the book of John, or the Gospel of John, is dealing with just the last 12 hours of Jesus' life. And each of the Gospels takes a significant amount of time to talk about him going to the cross for us because that is what saves us, not your church attendance, not your church affiliation, not your good works. It's not how good you are. We're not good enough. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. <coughs> I want to take, just quickly, I just want to go through a few things. Uh, and as we preach Jesus Christ and what he did for us on the cross, as we share that with others in the power of the Holy Spirit, I know that we will have opportunity to see many come to the Lord in these last days. I know that. And in fact, we saw that already. We saw it beginning already last year. And even this year, even though we've been shut down uh, because of all these restrictions, there have been, there's been a powerful work that's been accomplished. And part of it is the setting up of going out even online. And so I just want to make a plug right now to reach many. Right now, we, we can reach literal mills, millions online. And so the, the church has... The Lord put it on my heart, and, and I thank God for our pastor's council that was in agreement that said, you know what, we need to, to uh, use the Internet at this point. And so there was a preparing of using the Internet, and um, so we can reach millions through the Internet. And I just want to say this, uh, make a plug here. We, at this point, want to expand, and we are expanding. And uh, so we had mentioned at our business meeting uh, a few months back that or a month and a half ago that we were going to make a studio so that we can expand our online presence so with podcasts and different things and so we had looked at some of the rooms in the in the church and uh, so we thought we might use one of the f finished rooms but we recognized that it was they were too small and so uh, at this point we have a, another room but it's not finished and so we had uh, uh, put in about, we, we thought, well, hey, we can very easily use one of the existing rooms. Uh, so we, the only thing that we really needed was uh, the equipment. And, and so there was about $2,500 needed for that. And in fact, that money already has come in. But I want to make a plug. If you're listening, you're part of this church or even not, you might just want to say, hey, I want to give towards the studio uh, to, to expand the good news going out and that, that there would be disciples made and, and taught, just like Jesus said in Matthew 28. He says, I want you to go out and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them all things that I have commanded you. And he says, and lo, I will be with you right to the end of the age. And so we want to not just go out and make disciples or followers of Jesus Christ. We want to baptize them. And so I'm looking forward. I'm standing on our baptismal tank. I'm looking forward to many being baptized this year yet. And also uh, that, that we can uh, expand to teach them all things that he has commanded us because his ways are good. And so if you want to help out, uh, you can uh, e-transfer uh, 
to us, giving at lighthouseniagara.com, through giving at lighthouseniagara.com. And if you can, just put, hey, uh, I, wanna, I want this for evangelism. You can put it under evangelism, and then just put studio, all right? So um, the, the designation then, if, if we have more money coming in than we could possibly use for our studio, uh, and I'm, I'm thinking that we're probably, because we have to insulate and whatever, uh, make, we have just uh, outer wall stone or blocks. So we have to uh, put in some uh, steel framing and uh, insulation, all that. So I'm, I'm figuring that it's probably going to cost us another $5,000. If you put it towards evangelism, we get more than $5,000, then what we will do is um, we'll use it for evangelism. So put that designation evangelism. And, and then studio, and if we have more that comes in, uh, we will use it for evangelism. Because at this time, Jesus Christ and him crucified needs to be declared in the power of the Holy Spirit. It is what, who he is and what he did for us that saves us, that we could reach many. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth right around the globe and even to the end of time and we are living in the last days and we need the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon us at this time. And so one way we can get to many, to millions, is through the internet. Praise God for that. So we can reach many at this time. Just like as, as uh, Peter as Peter, on the day of Pentecost, began to proclaim, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. We read of it in Acts chapter 2. And this man who had denied Jesus three times and had said, I don't even know Jesus, just, you know, 50 days before, had denied Jesus. He was now preaching about Jesus to thousands that came, that, that were wondering, what's the sound and what's happening with this, these people are speaking in another language as they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And some were, were they were in awe. Some were, were saying, oh, I don't know what's going on here. They must be drunk. And Peter begins to preach, and he preaches about the Holy Spirit being there in the last days. And he refers to Joel chapter 2, verses 28 to 32. And he quotes, and Joel lived 800 years prior and he said that there would be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the last days. And so, so Peter is explaining this, and he's explaining also that it is for a witness to go out about Jesus and his death for us. It's his death on the cross for us that is our salvation, and as we believe in him. And it says that they were pricked in their hearts. In Acts chapter 2, verse 36, it says, Therefore let all the house of Israel know... Assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Like, talk about this man that had no, this girl came and says, hey, don't, weren't you with Jesus? And he denied, I don't even, I don't know Jesus. Not just once, but three times he denied Jesus within a short period of time. And here this guy is saying, you crucified Jesus. But he is Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart 
and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children, to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call, the promise of the Holy Spirit. So salvation is, is available to you and also the promise of the Holy Spirit to be filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them. He taught them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Nothing has changed. I'll tell you, if this generation is, is if that generation was perverse, this generation is way more perverse. Even than 2,000 years ago. Look what it says in verse 41. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, baptized in water. And there's, there's a possibility that they were also baptized in the Holy Spirit. It doesn't indicate specifically, but they were baptized in water. And that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them in one day with one message. Listen, the message that's being preached at this time, going out, who knows how many people are coming to the Lord? I don't know. If you want to let me know that you, you, you're coming to the Lord, you need to give your life to Jesus. You can reach me at pastor at lighthouseniagara.com. Let me know, hey, pastor, I need Jesus. Or you might say, pastor, I gave my life to Jesus. I would love to hear from you. We have the opportunity. We, we could never fit 3,000 people in this building. But I'll tell you right now, online and over the Internet, we can reach millions potentially as they hear the gospel of Jesus Christ so that they can come and be in the presence of God when the trumpet sounds. Jesus is coming back soon. It says in Acts 2.46, talking about reaching many, like we're talking 3,000 people in one day. It says, they continued daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. So daily people were being saved, even as they were proclaiming the gospel to others in the power of the Holy Spirit. Acts is all about, the book of Acts is all about people in the power of the Holy Spirit procla proclaiming the gospel and others coming to know Jesus. All 28 chapters is all about, now there's a, a lot of different narratives and whatever in their story or things that happen, but it is all about operating in the power of the Holy Spirit in Jesus Christ and him crucified being preached. In the Acts chapter 3, we see, once again, Peter, as he goes to the temple, he sees a lame man, and the lame man's begging. And he's, he's saying, hey, I need alms. I need to survive, or whatever. Or maybe he was quiet, and he was just holding out his hand or holding out a cup for some silver or gold or whatever, something to, to survive because he couldn't work. He was lame from the moment that he was born. And Peter says to him, silver and gold I don't have, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he grabbed him by the hand and he raised him up. And this man who had been sitting, he would sit there. He had been there for decades every day. I don't know, maybe somebody uh, helped him to get there and he would sit there to, to, to get something to provide for himself. This man got up and he started leaping and praising God. And the people came. There are already many that were there, and they, they, 
they recognized the man. Hey, this is a man that's been lame. He's been there for decades. And so they came, and they were there, and Peter begins to preach again, and he preaches what? Jesus Christ and him crucified. What happened to Jesus on the cross? And with, with the power, he says, hey, it was Jesus. It's not me that, that raised this man from his lame state, but it was Jesus Christ and the faith in Jesus that saved this man, that healed the man and would save him. Because of that, of, of preaching the gospel at, time, at that time, you can read it in chapter 3. It says, and uh, it said, actually it's in Acts chapter 4, verse 1 to 4. It says, now as they spoke to the people, the priests the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them. So these are the religious leaders. Listen, if you're religious and you're a religious leader, it does not save you. They were against Jesus. And they are against the preaching of the gospel, the good news of Jesus. Even today, the gospel of Jesus, maybe you might talk about Jesus, but there's no salvation message given that we have salvation in Jesus Christ. I hope to God that you're not a religious leader but that you would point people to Jesus and their faith in Jesus and what he did for, for them 2,000 years ago. It says here, that these religious leaders came and the captain of the temple being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead so that we can have life and, and be raised to new life in Jesus Christ. And that you can, after you die, you will, you will be resurrected to be with the Lord. And they laid hands on them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But look at what it says in verse 4. It says, however, many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to be about 5,000. You know what? God wants to do work in these last days. We have two chapters, two, two and a bit chapters, uh, chapters 2 and 3 and going into 4, and we have already 8,000 people saved with just two incidents. That's not including all the people that were being added daily as the, the good news went out. The Lord wants to save many. And he also wants to save those that maybe it's a smaller amount of, of individuals, not huge crowds. We read in Acts chapter 10 of a Gentile for the very first time, the good news of Jesus was being spread out, not just to the Jews, it had gone out from the, the Jews to the Samaritans that heard and they got saved. And, and large numbers came to know Jesus. You can read of that uh, as you go through Acts. And, in, and especially in, in chapters 6 and 7 and 8, you, you see that it's expanding out. The message is expanding out from Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria. But here in Acts chapter 10, is the first indication of a Gentile, somebody that's not a Jew, getting saved. And it's this man, he was a good man. He was a centurion, a, 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 a soldier who was over 100. Uh, he was part of the Roman Empire, and he belonged to, to the army. And so he, had, he was a man of rank, and he was a good man. And God recognized even the good things that he did. Even as a soldier, he recognized, and he allowed for this man to, to come to know Jesus as Peter went to him. Now, that's the first time that a Jew was going to a Gentile to preach Jesus. 
And we can read of that in Acts chapter 10. And the, his entire, he, his family, and his servants, all of them got saved in one day. All as Peter proclaimed Jesus Christ and him crucified in the power of the Holy Spirit. We need the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon us. We need to have the power, not just enthusiasm, not just, oh, hey, this is who Jesus is. And I'm not saying that you can't get saved without the, the, the anointing and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. In fact, as Paul says, hey, I sowed the seed, Apollos watered, but God gives the increase. God is the one that brings life. But as we move and operate in the power of the Holy Spirit, God wants to do a work through us powerfully. Listen, if you're a believer and you've not been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you don't have the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the spirit without measure that was on Jesus, it is available for you today. And that even as you say, Lord or Father, I want, you promised the Holy Spirit upon us. And Jesus, you are the one that baptizes in the Holy Spirit. So Jesus, I come to you. I want the promise of the Father in my life. I want the anointing of the Holy Spirit in my life. And that you would, as you would go to, to the Father and ask of the Father, he will give the Holy Spirit to you. How much more will he give the Holy Spirit even as you would ask? Yes, he's our Heavenly Father. And uh, so I want you, for, for why? You say, Pastor, what, why do I need the baptism of the Holy Spirit? There's just so many different reasons, but one of the main reasons is this, is that you would operate in the power of the Holy Spirit to share the gospel with somebody that doesn't know Jesus. Listen, if you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, say, hey, I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Do you know that even as you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, we still have free will? If you don't want to share Jesus with somebody else, you won't share Jesus with somebody else because you have free will. And the Holy Spirit truly is as gentle as a dove, like a dove, so gentle, he will never force you. He may say, hey, you know what, you should, you should talk to this person. Or he may be nudging and encouraging you to go and speak to a family member or to a friend or to a coworker about Jesus. You might be so afraid, but I'll tell you, as you do it, you take that time. You say, hey, listen, can we go for coffee or during break time or whatever if you're at work? Hey, I just I feel like I need to say something to you at this time. And just allow the Holy Spirit to help you to speak to that individual just as you are. You don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to be an evangelist. You don't have to be an elder in a church. Tell them about what Jesus did in your life and the power of the Holy Spirit that rivers of living water would flow through you, the rivers of living, of life, of the Holy Spirit flowing through you, that as you speak the good news, that seed, it's, it's germinated by rivers of living water to bring life. The Lord desires, he says, the harvest is ripe. The harvest is ripe now. We don't have to wait any time. And the, as the Lord would unction you, begin to speak the things of Jesus to others. It may be to many, as we might do this as a church with many, and maybe you as an individual have a platform that you can speak to many. There's, you have followers online or whatever. That you would speak the things of Jesus to them because there's only a little bit of time left. And that the Lord is saying, I need that harvest to come in. I want you to be a part of bringing in the harvest, that you would be laborers in that harvest today for the sake of the lost, for the lost, anointed by the power of the Holy Spirit, for the lost, to proclaim Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Hallelujah. You know what? Maybe it's not 
many, maybe it's not a group of people or a family or whatever, but maybe it's just one person that the Lord is putting on your heart. We see how far in Acts chapter 8, we see how the, the lengths that God desires to reach out to somebody, even if it's just one person. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 8. I want to read this passage quickly. And I want you to see the heart of God, and I want you to see the power of God by the Holy Spirit working in one man to proclaim Jesus to one man. So one man talking about Jesus to, to this individual. We read of this, Acts 8, verse 26. It says, Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south uh, along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he arose and he went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning. So he's going back to Ethiopia. And sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah, the prophet. So he had a scroll, and he's reading through Isaiah. And he comes to Isaiah chapter 53. And then this, uh, uh, so he's reading, and, and sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit said to Philip, this is the Holy Spirit, Go near and overtake this chariot. Now, I want you to know that there will be times where the Holy Spirit, as you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you will be unctioned to say, hey, I need to go talk to this person. I need to go and I need to, I need to see this person to speak to them. I'm saying to you, for goodness sake, be obedient. Philip was obedient. And because of this one man, it affected he impacted the queen of Ethiopia, and there were many that came to know Jesus Christ. And even to this day, church started, the, I believe, the, don't quote me on that, I think it's the Coptic church, uh, started. And, and so even 2,000 years later, there are believers in Ethiopia. And so, um, so Philip ran to him. He's obedient to the Holy Spirit. This is what the Holy Spirit will do. He'll, he'll be asking you to do things that you, you're thinking, oh, my goodness, should I do this? Do it. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how, how can I unless somebody, someone guides me? So he, this man did not understand. And so here's, you, just picture Philip. He's still running beside the, the, the chariot, maybe the chariot slowed down. And he said, hey, do you understand what you're reading? You know, and he's huffing and puffing, and, and I'm sure he's saying, Holy Spirit, really? Do you understand what you're reading? No, not unless somebody guides me, teaches me, or explains this to me. And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. The place in the scripture which he read was this, and this is Isaiah 53, verse 7 and 8. Now, it doesn't say that in that passage, but that's the passage that he was at, Isaiah 53, verse 7 and 8. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away, and who will declare his generation for his life is taken from the earth? So the eunuch answered Philip and said, and actually said, is asking, he says, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this? Is he speaking of himself? Was he, was, was he the one that was led as a sheep to the slaughter? Or is he speaking of another man, of some other man? 
Then Philip opened his mouth and in beginning at this scripture, preached Jesus to him. We need to preach Jesus to others. If people don't hear about Jesus, they will not get saved. You can be a good person, you can be a Christian, you can go to church, and you can love the Lord, and you can do good things. But if they don't hear about Jesus and the fact that Jesus died for them on the cross, they cannot get saved. And the Lord wants to work through us by His Spirit to help us by His Spirit to tell others about Jesus, that we would do that in this day and age, whether it's with many, like we're attempting to do and we're doing through the Internet and, and this technology that's available to us at this time, or whether it's a, 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 a family or a group, or whether it's just one person, that you would be obedient to speak and preach Jesus to them. This is what Jesus did in my life. He forgave me of all my sins. He died for me. He took all my sins upon himself. Preach Jesus to them. Tell them what Jesus did in your life. Now, as they went down the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, see, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Obviously, Philip told him not just about Jesus, but he talked to him about baptism, uh, being baptized in water as a sign of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. That's what water baptism is indicating. It in indicates Jesus' death as we go into the water and his burial as we go under the water and as we come up, his resurrection and new life, the new life that we have because we believe in Jesus. We are dead in trespasses and sins and he's forgiven us and we die with Christ and we're raised to new life and that's what water baptism is all about. And so he was, Philip obviously was telling him because he says, hey, hey, here's some water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. I just want to say to you, if you're listening at this time, if you believe in Jesus with all your heart, that he can take care of your sins, you believe that he died for you on a cross because he loved you so much, and as you would receive him into your life, say, Jesus, come into my life. I, man, I need you. I'm going to follow you. It says, if you believe in all your heart, you may. You may be baptized. I am looking forward. Last year, we had more people get baptized than any year. And with all the restrictions at this point in time, it's like, oh, my goodness, we haven't even had a chance. We had like maybe four or five services or weeks where we were able to have people in the, in the church, more than 10. But I'm looking forward to this year that there will be literal I want to speak by faith that there would be hundreds baptized this year as you lead people to Christ. Now, I want to even say that there would be more than hundreds. I, I would say, hey, if I, if I would be baptizing every single week, I wouldn't have a problem with that. Let there be thousands, tens of thousands, even in our city, come to know Jesus. Because Jesus is coming back soon. They need Jesus I like what this man said to Philip as he said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and he baptized him. Now, when they came up out of the water, the spirit, the Holy Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away so that the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing. <coughs> we see what happens in the power of the Holy Spirit. Literally. Philip was transported miles away 
in a split second by the Holy Spirit, God went out of his way for one man. And God goes out of his way for you because he loves you so much. He loves you so much. We need to reach even just one person as the Lord would lay on our hearts. Whether whoever it may be that the Lord puts on your heart, you'd be obedient. And this, at this time, I just want you to know that Jesus is coming soon. I want to take a moment just to, to pray a prayer. If you're listening, and maybe it's, it's days later, weeks later, months later, or maybe even years later, and you're listening to this service, you can give your life to Jesus. And I want to help you to do that. Just pray a prayer of faith. It says in Romans 10, verse 9 and 10, it talks about confessing with your mouth. And that's why I'm going to pray this prayer and believing in your heart. And as you pray and confess with your mouth that you would believe in your heart that this is, this is truth, that Jesus died for you and he rose again on the third day for you, for your sins. So pray with me. Jesus, I need new life. I am a sinner, but you died for me. You love me so much. And I thank you for coming back to life. You rose again. I believe that. And you are on the right hand of the Father. All power and authority is yours. And I submit to that power and authority right now. Have your way in my life. Be my Lord. Oversee my life. And not just my life here on earth, but that I will be with you for eternity. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Give me the promise of the Father. And allow me to lead others to Jesus, to you. I pray this in your name, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. If you believe that prayer, I want you to know right now, you, all your sins, as you've confessed, hey, I'm a sinner, it says that your sins are, are you're washed of your sins. In 1 John 1, verse 9, it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, Jesus, to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And even as you confess and believe, it's your sins are taken care of by the blood. In 1 John 1, verse 7, a few verses before that, he talks about by his blood. It's his blood. That's why Jesus had to die, so his blood was shed for us because that's the only thing that washes us clean from our sins. It's not just repentance, but it's believing in Jesus Christ. That's how we are saved. We turn from our sins. We confess our sins. We turn from them. And even as we do, we are cleansed from our sins. Praise God. Your faith would remain in Jesus. Hallelujah. That we would have the power of the Holy Spirit upon us to be witnesses in these last days. In Revelation 5, verse 8, it says, Now when he had taken the scroll, this, this is to come. We will be a part. We will see this take place. John was translated to heaven and ahead in time. It's just amazing. God is a God that is able to move outside of time. And so this, this is given to us, and we will be there at that point. And it's, there's a, a, a little glimpse of this. It says, now when he had taken the scroll, that's Jesus. You may say, what scroll? What was about the scroll? It's, it's basically indicating that Jesus has 
power over time and all the events to unfold. And so the scroll he took, even as he would open it up, the things that would, would need to transpire will transpire. And you might say, what? Has it happened yet? No, not, not from this scroll. But you can read of it in chapter, Revelations chapter 6 through 19 as the scroll is unfolded and the different things begin to happen. Uh, and not just the scroll, but the, 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 the trumpets and the vials of God, seven of each. And you can read of that in the book of Revelations from chapter 6 to 19. It hasn't happened yet. And, and the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Our prayers are heard and they're stored in these golden, golden bowls full of incense. And they sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. There were seven seals on this scroll. For you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. I have indicated at the beginning of the message, I was talking about the different ethnicities. Listen, regardless of what ethnicity or what religion you believe is, if you believe in Jesus Christ, you will be here at this point, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain as you believe that Jesus died for you and have redeemed us to God by your blood as you believe that even now you, can, you will have life eternal with God out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. God loves you so much and have made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on the earth then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Seven things. Perfect. Worship here. Complete worship. And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, I heard saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Then the four living creatures said, Amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshipped him who lives forever and ever. These 24 elders are, are men that lived and are, are in the presence of God, even at this time, we will see them. We will know who they are. Eternity is a long time. God desires for you to be with him for all eternity. In 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9, it says, And it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things which God has, has prepared for those who love him that you would place your faith in Jesus Christ. You would love him with all your heart. There is an unbelievable eternity ahead of us. And even now, the Lord desires to give you peace. Even if you're going through hardship or storms of life, whatever it may be, he desires to give you peace at this time and that you would know his love and he would envelop you with his love because he loves you so much. Praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I just want to close with a prayer of the anointing and the, the empowering of the Holy Spirit upon you at this time to, sh to share the gospel. Lord, 
for those of us as believers and those that may even have given their life already, Lord, I pray, fill us with your spirit, empower us with your, your power, the power of the Holy Spirit, that we'll be witnesses in these last days for the sake of the lost, that there would be many that would come to know you yet because the harvest is ripe. Lord, work through us. Use us. We say, yes, I will be a laborer in your harvest. I will help out in any way I can. Lord, I just pray this in Jesus' name, whatever it may be, whether it's time, whether it's talents and giftings, whether it's financially, whatever it may be, spiritually in prayer and, 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 and doing warfare spiritually in prayer, and whatever it may be, Lord, Lord, I pray that you will work through us by your spirit, that you, Jesus, would be proclaimed. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, Lighthouse family. Thanks so much for tuning in to another one of our podcast sermons. I'm Pastor Joel Sloss. For more podcasts, media, and live stream services at lighthouseniagara.com, Sundays at 10 o'clock. God bless.